Amen. 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 Joel 2. Um, we'll be reading Joel 2 this morning, which is one of our anchor scriptures. Um, we've been reading from other versions, but today I'd like us to read from the message, the message translation. Praise God. So from verse 18. At that, God went into action to get his land back. He took pity on his people. God answered and spoke to his people. Look, listen, I'm sending a gift. Grain and wine and olive oil. The fast is over. Eat your fill. I won't expose you any longer to contempt among the pagans. I'll head off the final, um, the final enemy coming out of the north and dump them in the wasteland. Half of them will end up in the Dead Sea and the other half in the Mediterranean. There, they'll rot, a stench to high heaven. The bigger the enemy, the stronger the stench. Fear not, earth, be glad and celebrate. God has done great things. Fear not, wild animals. The fields and meadows are greening up. The trees are bearing fruit again, a bumper crop of fig trees and vines. Children of Zion, celebrate. Be glad in your God. He's giving you a teacher to train you how to, to live right. Teaching like rain out of heaven, showers of words to refresh and nourish your soul, just as he used to, and plenty of food for your body. Silos full of grain, casks of wine and barrels of olive oil. I'll make up for the years of the locust, the great locust devastation, locust savage, locust deadly, fierce locust, locusts of doom, that great locust invasion I sent your way. You'll eat your fill of good food. You'll be full of praises to your God, the God who has set you back on your heels in wonder. Never again will my people be despised. You know without question that I am in the thick of life with Israel, that I am your God. Yes, your God, the one and only real God. Never again will my people be despised. And that's just the beginning. After that, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your old men will dream. Your young men will see visions. I'll even pour out my spirit on the servants, men and women both. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire are billowing and billowing smoke. The sun turning black and the moon blood red before the judgment day of God. The day tremendous and awesome. Whoever calls, help God, gets help. On Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be a great rescue, just as God said, included in the survivors are those that God calls. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. And so, Father, we just thank you for your word and we thank you for every 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 word that you have spoken to us oh god we thank you father because your word is our anchor in this season and as we hold hold fast to your word we know oh god that in your faithfulness you will bring to pass everything that you have spoken in the mighty name of jesus we thank you father and once again this morning we have come before you to receive your word. We have come before you to receive your blessings. We have come before you to receive your promises. We make room for you this morning. Have your way and let your name alone be glorified in our lives. For in Jesus' precious name, we pray. 
Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Good morning, everybody. Welcome again. Today's day 16. We are excited and happy and ready to receive God's word. And I'd like to welcome Pastor Nigel, who is going to be leading us further today. Pastor Nigel, good morning, sir. Uh, good morning, Stephanie. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Nigel. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so um, it's, it's really an, an intense and very critical season we, we are in. And um, I think this prayer reign, more than any other one, is very pivotal in, 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 the, in, the, in the scheme of things. And it's something we ought to take very seriously. Um, I think the, the theme is very apt about someone in the army because God has, has is, is, it's like there's been a release of certain things that requires, there's a demand in the air that requires us to really rise into that place at this time. Um, today, I'm supposed to be talking about summoned to a disruption. And I, I just want to set a few things in place before I go into that. I mean, if you were not, if you didn't listen in on Pastor Adam's, um, Prophet Adam's teaching on Sunday, please pick that. In fact, what, what happened to me was, I was just listening, I was just shaking my head. Every, everything I wanted to say, he said, so it's like, if I can just come and play what he said, and it will fit into what I want to speak about. And that just shows me the spirit is one, and that, that there is a definitive thing God is doing at this time. I want to pick one thing he said very clearly. He said that the church is the salt of the earth. And that, as scripture says, if you lose your saltiness, you have no use to anyone. Not how much more God. And that is so key because God has made us salt to the nations to be able to refine. Um, Salt has many qualities. It can um, inhibit decay. It can bring flavor. It can do a number of things. And that's what we are meant to be. And we're in a time where the church is facing a lot of um, a lot of persecution and, 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 and accusations and all that. But it is okay because it's a work God is doing. What God is doing is he's refining his church to birth the ecclesia. Um, out of the church comes a remnant. Um, you know, the, the, when, when we read Mark, Matthew 16, it, um, it, where it says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The Greek word for church, there is ecclesia. And an ecclesia is a legislative assembly. It's not just a church, a gathering of people who just come to feel good. There's a task. It's like a senate, a parliament that is meant to pass laws, legislate, and govern. That's what a church is meant to be. And so God is refining the church to bring out the ecclesia. And there's a principle with God. He always walks from the larger to the smaller. There's always a remnant. And that is what I see God is doing at this time. He's calling out the remnant. And so it, a remnant always comes out of a very structured time. Uh, if you look at Isaiah 37, Isaiah 37, that was uh, when the Assyrian king sent 
put a siege upon Jerusalem in the time of Hezekiah and was telling them to surrender. And Hezekiah prayed unto God. And in verses 31 and 32, what God said, he said when he had heard Hezekiah's prayer, he said, I am going to send something against Sennacherib. But he said in 31, he said, the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant. And those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So the remnant always is extracted many times through a painful process, a kind of pruning to bring out the one that God wants. That is what we are hearing when we are talking about summoning his army. That is the army, the remnant. That is the one God is calling out at this time. And it doesn't matter what we go through. In fact, you cannot come out. You can't just be called out. You'll be called out and it takes, there's a process of pruning, the process of building, a process of stricture or constraining that brings that remnant out. And that's the season we are in. So that's why you see in the book of Timothy, it says that endure hardness as a good soldier. That is so key in, 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 in the army being formed. And it's, we'll do well to keep that at the back of our minds in this season and the ensuing season because that, an army is built and then is deployed. So the army is being summoned. The next thing is to be deployed. You get trained and deployed. This is the training season you're going through. A preparation, ready for what is coming. So I, I'll just go into straight into what I'm supposed to be speaking about today, about being summoned to disruption. I think um, you're now getting into the season of deployment. What is it you're being called to? What is it you're being called to do and to be? Um, and, and I just want to bring a bit of clarity on the word disruption. So, so we have a common understanding. Generally, when you say disruption, you're speaking to something that either interferes with a, or interrupts an event or a process or something. And more often than not, it has a negative connotation. So you disrupt proceedings. That means you spoil things. You disrupt the flow. It means you, it always has a negative connotation. However, in the business realm, the word disruption has a different meaning. It, it, it means... It's also, it still speaks of inter, interrupting a process, but in, in, in business, it's always doing something against the usual, against the established order. And it's usually to bring about a positive outcome. So it came about where you had maybe take the, the so Kodak was, in the years past, Kodak was the number one. Everything about photography was Kodak. And then the digital camera came along. And if, if you didn't have Kodak, you are not into photography. You had to have process film and all that. They were the number one in the area of film, um, um, camera film. So every type, they had the one that the instant one, they had the one that you process. They were the number one when it came to that. When the digital camera came on the scene, it just wiped Kodak out totally. Kodak just went under. Because that, you didn't need a film. You just had your camera, you could store your pictures and all that. That was disruptive. 
But at the time they came up with the technology, people thought, so God, I just thought this is just a, a joke. Nothing will happen or will come out of it. Steve Jobs with Apple, the iPad was originally created by IBM, but they discarded it as something that they didn't think would make it. Steve Jobs took it up. That was the disruption in the industry. So it always comes out with a positive spin. And it's usually like an underdog who comes out and disrupts the system. And that is what God has called us to. He has called us to be disruptors. So he's summoning us to disrupt the established order. That's why I say it is a remnant that can do that. A called out people who have come through, have gone through the mill, who have been structured, constrained, gone through the fire, and they come out. There are the ones Isaiah 43 says, you will go through the waters, they won't drown you. You will go through the fires, they won't burn you, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when you come through, you come out refined, purified, and lethal. That is what God is calling us to at this time. So I just want to say a few things about disruption and how um, what God is calling us to remember, keep at the back of your mind, we are meant to be salt. We're meant to refine. We're meant to uh, bring savor. We're meant to make the world palatable for God. We're meant to stem the decay. We're meant to present the, the, the world in its crazy state to God as something that he will value. So in disruption, you know, the, the whole concept is that you do things differently um, to get the outcome. But it is not just about doing things differently from what is out there. You, you, you must be focused on achieving a positive outcome. And there's usually like, it's not just doing things because um, in, 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 in the marketing communication world, it became a buzzword. Everybody was disruption men just doing something different. It's not just anything you do. There are things you do, it, 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 there's a science behind it. You take the time to research. You, you look at the areas or the, the gaps that are not being met. And then you, you, you walk in that space. And create so it's not something you just do arbitrarily. It takes preparation, it takes training, it takes being empowered, it takes being enabled to really make the mark. And and more than ever, in a space like in a dark space, you need the light of God to be able to navigate that path. You will always be running against the, the, the tide. You will swim against the tide. And you, that's the only way you're going to be able to achieve. So it is not just something you take on. You will more often than not be swimming against the tide. You will always be doing things that people feel, say in today's world in Nigeria, you run a business and you try to do it the right way. You almost be on your own, but on your own you must be and stand on that ground and showcase when you succeed. People see it's possible, and that opens up the floodgates. In many respects, the remnant will pioneer things. And so many of us are called to the various spheres of life. So this is the season where the seven mountains, you know, at, at every time there's always a focus on one mountain or the other. My sense, and that, that's what has been coming clear to me this year, this is a season that God has unleashed 
all the mountains at the same time, that he's raising the remnant to just take over all the mountains at the same time. So you are going to be seeing innovation all over the place in every sphere. Things will just be shaped, crafted, being changed simultaneously. And it's just going to be people that got, it's just going to be like, it's just released, like when Samson released the wild foxes that were just causing fire, just burn down the farm. That's what God is doing in this time. And we, we ought to understand what, what, what he's doing. And be, as, we, as we are summoned, we must stand in the right place. And, 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 and one of my favorite scriptures that defines the time and season we are in is Romans 8, um, 19 to 21, which we know. But I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, the one where it says that uh, all creation is awakened the manifestation of the sons of God. But in the Passion Translation, verse 19 says, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. It says, but now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. And so this speaks to me of the season. It, it's it, it, a world that is broken and totally on its knees because of the consequences of sin cannot help itself. It cannot rise, raise itself up from that posture. Isaiah 60, the amplified version, is my, one of my favorites. It says, where it says arise and shine, in that version it says arise from the depression and prostration that circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. That is the call that God has given us the mandate is given us as, as, as a, 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 an army of disruptors to bring the earth back to its feet, to cause the earth. And the earth has been waiting for us. So it is not a mean mandate. It is the mandate of all mandates. It is the end mandate that we have been given and we have been called to. And so it's not something we approach with levity or with um, slothfulness. It's a, it's a mandate that consumes you and you must be ready and willing to arise. It's not a mandate for everybody, honestly. It's a remnant mandate. But you must understand, this is no king goes to battle without first counting the cost. It's a mandate where you must count the cost before you lay your hand to the plow, because it will literally shake your world upside down. But the end is great. Hallelujah. And so, all of this, it always goes back to the mandate God gave in Genesis 1, where he said in verse 28 that the Lord blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, and I emphasize, subdue it. And I emphasize again, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's the mandate God has given us. Disruption is not just for the sake of disruption. It's a disruption that will restore things back to what they are meant to be. God wants to take the earth back from the dark powers, and he made man to do that. And that is the mandate upon us. The mandate of disruption is to, on, is to dislodge things from their normal order, which is abnormal to God and restore it back to what he determined. That is what 
we are called to. Second thing I want to highlight, when God literally wants to start a disruptive move, he will always raise a man to model it. He never starts a, a move with a large crowd. It starts with one man, always with one man. If he wants to build a family, it starts with a man. He wants to build an army, it starts with a man. He wants to build a nation, it starts with a man. So you see, the man develops into a family, develops into a group, develops into a nation. And that's how, remember when Jesus was going, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. And then you will be witnesses to me first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts. God is a God of process. He doesn't do things arbitrarily. And so when he starts, he starts with one man. And one of my favorites in scripture is Joseph. When you read the story of Joseph, you'll always feel his brothers were wicked. He had bad luck. Things were all, all that and all that. But when you understand the mind of God, you begin to see different. And just want to look at uh, Psalm 105. When Psalm 105, if you look at from about verse 17. It says, God, let me start from 16. It says, moreover, God called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. And then he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. It says, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. It says, and the king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. And he made him lord of his house. And ruler of all his possessions. To bind his princes at his pleasure. And teach his elders wisdom. Now when you read the story of Joseph. You see his brother sold him into slavery. First wanted to kill him. He went became a slave. Then he was a prisoner. And then he just came into being prime minister. And it seems like. A, riches to, um, a rags to riches story or a story of uh, providence but it's the hand, this scripture tells you it's the hand it says God sent him it wasn't just that he, all that happened to him God sent him and that was a mandate and all it was about was um, preserving Israel he sent him ahead to preserve Israel and when you look at Israel became Israel in Egypt, 77 people entered Egypt and became 300 million, uh, 3 million by the time they were leaving on the Exodus. That was where God built that nation, but it took a man to start that. So when we are called, in many of us, God is summoning us, and we might think our role is insignificant because it's not a, a very visible role and the, 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 the folly of the church has been to think that everything, the only thing that is relevant in church is when you are a, a pastor, evangelist, prophet, is that the, the, the bulk of what God is doing is, in, is out there in the trenches. It's not in the, in the spiritual arena. You know, when we read in Revelation that he made a kingdom of kings and priests, you know, in the mind of God, if you go back 
to Exodus, I think it was 19, where God said to Moses, bring the children of Israel to me in Mount Sinai. Before he did, God said to him, go and tell Israel that I want to make them a treasured people, a treasured nation of kings and priests, if they will obey my word. And Moses went and told them, and they said, we will. Then he said, okay, bring them. As far back as then, that was God's plan to make his people kings and priests. It wasn't a New Testament thing. It's always been in the mind of God. And we have all, always accentuated, the church sector has always accentuated that priestly dimension to the detriment of the kingly. But God, the two are critical in the move of God, in the move to restore the earth. And that is our mandate. So many of us need to understand that in our inconspicuous place that you think is not really relevant because you don't think it's visible, there's a disruption mandate upon you to tend your space. And with time, you see that there are many others who are doing. God never leaves himself without a witness. Elijah thought he was the only one. But it's, God said there are 7,000 others. There will always be the remnant. And when they pull together, you see the move of God sweeping like a great revival. That's the season we are in. So it, our, our whole focus must be to tend the portion of the garden that has been allotted to us. Because in being diligent in that, if every one of us is diligent, we will see a swelling. Amen. Amen. Third thing I want to point to is that disruptions blossom in the midst of shakings. Like I pointed to Isaiah, um, to Isaiah 37, the remnant came out of a, a, a season of persecution, extreme persecution. It always happens. Joseph became what he became through persecution. Daniel became what he became through persecution. John the Baptist, Elijah, they all came through persecution. They were all innovators in one way or the other because they turned the natural order upside down. Elijah just appeared from nowhere and just said, as the Lord, Lord lives before whom I stand, there shall be no rain till I say so. It all works out. And all hell breaks loose. John the Baptist just kept abusing us. You, you brood of vipers. Repent. Everything went upside down. You know, yeah, disruptors will always change the order of things. And all they were doing were very simple things. Nothing fancy, nothing flashy. John the Baptist was a very brash person, but yet he, he changed the spiritual climate of the time. So that disruptor comes out of pruning, comes out of the fire, comes out of a, a season of shaking. We're in a major one. That tells me God is raising disruptors all over the place because I'm, I'm very clear for the last three, four years, I, that scripture in Hebrews 12 has just been on my spirit for that long. So when coronavirus hit and all that has come with it, 
it didn't take it didn't it didn't surprise me because I, i've learned one thing about shaking we always want to run away from shaking you know when you talk about the baptism of fire it is it is an uncomfortable hard painful thing but it's a needful thing because the focus like in john 15 talking about pruning is it prunes so that there's more fruit The shaking is always meant to shake off everything. In Hebrews 12, it talks about, God says, unlike in the time of Mount Sinai, I will shake not just the earth, which happened then, but I will shake the heavens as well. He will shake literally the whole universe so that everything that is not rooted in him will fall away. And only those things that are rooted in him will remain. And what I, that, that one of the clear things I have, one of the things that came clear to me is many times we, as Christians, we begin to flag because we prayed, we bound, we've casted, we loosed, and things don't seem to move forward. And you look at everybody flourishing around you and you just despair. I've learned that you need to stay and stand your ground because what God does when the shaking comes is those who are ahead of you, you shake them off and you, become, you come into first place. But only those. That's why the Bible says that if you faint in the, in the day of adversity, your strength is small. This is a season like no other that you have to build and nurture your strength in spite of what you see. Because ultimately, when things have been shaken, you see, this, this what we have seen in the world, Pastor he says it, I, we, I, I, I totally agree. It's been in my mind that what we've seen is like a dress rehearsal. The shakings are going to, you see, it's, it's, it's like birth pangs. They increase in intensity. And, and that scripture um, that talks about, which was the name of that scripture again, that talks about birth pangs. One version describes it as birth pangs in the earth. They increase in intensity. This is the first time we've seen a global, some, some, a shaking that is global in nature everywhere at the same time. For me, this is a dress rehearsal. If we are very wise at this time, most Christians were, all, most people just want to go back to church. It's not about going back to church. It's about in this season, you are meant to have found God. So whether you're in church, you're on the road, you're online, you know, it's God you found. That's what this whole season was meant to be because trust me, if we have another lockdown, it's going to be worse. We might not even have the benefit of online. Then what will we do then? What will we do? Because like uh, Prophet Tommy said, there's, there's, going to be a, there's going to be a censure that is coming, that is already upon us. And very soon they'll stop you from pushing any agenda that is apostolic. How do you function? It is what you have, it is back to the model of the Chinese church. They embedded it in their hearts and they flourished. These are really trying times. And there are times that you need to have understanding like the sons of Issachar. Otherwise, you get swept away. This is the season of the Ecclesia. Um, let me just quickly wrap so I said disruptions blossom in the midst of shakings. And we know that light will only manifest in real darkness. The darker, the better for, the, for light. 
if you have a small light and you have moonlight out there, it doesn't really show up. But if you have pitch blackness, it will show up very well. And this is the season where we need to begin to show forth. If you, I keep trying to characterize what does the army of God look like? Because when we think of army, we think fight, fight, fight. It's not about prayer. It's not about fasting only. There are a number of things. You see, the, 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 the character or the nature of the army that God is looking for, it is so crucial that it is built right. And God, he is he, so concerned about every aspect of it. So the spiritual side is crucial. We must pray. We must fast. We must be people of worship or people of the word. That's non-negotiable. But what will set us apart, because we have to go and compete in the earth to, to rest it from the, 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 the people who have taken over, the Babylonians. And you can only do that if you can compete at the same level as them, in intelligence, in exposure, and all that. Daniel is my model for the marketplace. Daniel served under four different kings. No mean kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, um, Darius, and Cyrus. In fact, scripture says he was the um, mentor of Cyrus. Cyrus was the one who sent to the, um, for the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And he's the one God spoke about in Isaiah 45, but he was a hidden king. He wasn't a Christian. He was a hidden king, but he was mentored by Daniel. And Daniel, no matter how they tried to unseat him, they could not. Because he was, it says he was more excellent. And he had an excellent spirit. We are meant to compete at that level and not bend. Even in Daniel 5, when they had set a trap for him, knowing that he will always pray, they got the king to enact an edict that anyone who praise to anyone other than the king for the next 30 days should be fed into the lion's den because they knew he would do it. And what, what trips me about it is, is, and when Daniel knew that this law had been set in motion, he went to his house, opened the windows, and prayed as he would usually do. He knew the penalty was there, but he knew there's a higher power that he must stand with, like Mordecai refused to bow to Haman and they set him up but even the king himself was a dreamy vigil and praying God save Daniel that is not normal but that is the character and the nature that God expects of us as disruptors because you will face all manner of persecution all manner of being undermined but you must be able to overcome the system because you become a system. And so a few qualities I want to highlight that I want us to take away and go and spend time cultivating alongside, not in place of, alongside the spiritual dynamics of prayer, worship, the word, fasting, all of that. We must be, because the people you are going to, imagine you are working in the same space as Jeff Bezos of Amazon. And you start a small startup. I mean, look at Zoom that we are on today. Before the coronavirus pandemic, I think they were worth about 2 billion or something. Today is over 40, 50 billion. 
from nowhere, something just, just as we say, hammer. God is looking for people he can trust and he will pour. He says the wealth, the transference of wealth that has, he has, been, that has been set in motion, he will open it up. Isaiah 45 talks about the treasure of darkness and the hidden riches in secret places. When he unleashes on you, you will never lack resources. So he's looking for those he can trust. Quickly, resilience is one of those things. Obedience is one of those things. Unity, where you, you are not thinking of um, the crab mentality of, if I can't go up, you can't go up, and you pull him down. The person is going up, you support him to go up. Yes, you don't go up at that time, but when he gets up, he can pull you up. Crabs, if you put them in a basket together, one is climbing up, one will always pull them down. We cannot afford to be like that anymore. That is one thing that has made the church so fragmented right now, that whole empire building thing. And God has been pushing the agenda of unity for the last three, four years. And we need to be the people who bring it to fruition. We will not compete against one another. We will complement one another. We will cause things to be, we will lock hands and make things happen. The day of Pentecost only came because they were all in one place, in one accord. That's the only way it happened. Integrity, so, so key. Psalm 15 speaks about the character of the one who can dwell with God. He's the one who will swear to his own hurt. The one who will come, another Psalm talks about coming with clean hands and a pure heart. God is emphasizing those things now more than ever. The world has become so material that it's normal to bend the rules. Nobody will see you. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal more than ever with God. And we must be people of integrity. That is what has undermined the church because people who don't fear God and just they are more driven by mammon and just hammering. So we do all kinds of things. And that is... God can work with us. And the last thing I want to emphasize is we must be people who are comfortable with the supernatural. I want to emphasize this because somehow the church has been accused of being a church without power anymore. And it's not true. God is the same God that he was. It's just that the vessels have to be yielded enough for him to work through them effectively. And the vessels have not been. That's why we're not seeing the power of God. Because in this day and age, we are seeing things. Some of us might know someone like Pastor Jerry. The prayer meeting is doing online. It's doing, there are amazing testimonies coming from there. And it's, not just, it's just one of many that God is going to raise in this time. And, and I, want us, I want to point us to Acts, Acts, um, Acts, chapter, Acts 6, where the apostles said, look, the, the Grecian widows or the, the Hellenists were all... Um, complaining about being shortchanged on food and they're like we can't keep serving tables and they said let's call out deacons who will help set the tables and keep those people in check so that they can focus on the word but what is very striking to me is they didn't look for people because what they're asking for is logistics people who are good in supply chain management who can organize things the qualities that were asked for those people it says in Acts 6 verse 3 he says, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, 
full of the Holy Spirit of wisdom, whom we may appoint over you. What do you need Holy Spirit for? To, is it not to just do tables and just be arranging seven food? But they knew that it was a lot more than that. The people come with needs that need to be met and they will be weighed down just solving those problems. So they chose seven men of amongst whom were Stephen and Philip. Verse 8 says, in describing Philip, uh, Stephen, it says Stephen was full of faith and power and he did great wonders and signs among the people. Well, God, God is not calling major evangelists and prophets alone. He's calling the regular people. It wasn't the apostles who were doing this. It was just the seven people they chose. They were doing major things. Philip is the one that didn't need airline. He would not travel. The Spirit would carry him all over the place. They were regular guys. That is the move I feel God is bringing us into. So the people, the army of God in this time must be people who are comfortable with the supernatural. Who just use it as if it's like waking up and just brushing your teeth. It's just normal to them. It was very needful in this season of the coronavirus. Every, the fear that was cast in the air was like the fear that Jezebel put upon Elijah. Even the church was afraid. Where this is the time where we should be standing and we are able to decree and people are healed. And you walk in divine health without mask and all that. I mean, you won't call driving government guidelines. But the fear was there. Nobody even want to try it. So these are the qualities I want to emphasize about the army, the disruptive army that God is raising in this time. I want us to pray a couple of things in this right regard. My hope and prayer is that God will challenge something in you that will channel you right in the weeks and days ahead. Everything you've done in the past few weeks in prayer reign will be a waste if you come out of it the same way you started. We must all come out of it with a deep sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm of the mandate that God is calling us to. It is not just a mandate. You know, when you read Hebrews 12, it talks about the cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. They are cheering us on because the, ful- the fulfillment for them is not complete until we fulfill our role. Now, I'm, I'm talking as if the world is going to end tomorrow. The world might very well end in 100 years, but we must act as if it's tomorrow. Because if we don't play a part now, that truncates and affects them and us and the ones ahead. We must run a race as if there's no tomorrow. And you can only run that race when you understand what is at stake. This is a very defining moment on the earth. Very defining. And it transcends, it's not just about This is not the time to think of your family, your issues, or your nation. It's about the nation. He says the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our God. God is looking at nations now. It's it's gone beyond country, country. It's nations. Right now, it's what is on his heart. And he's looking at people who can affect nations. You do something that can have a ripple effect and change the course of things out there. 
The first thing I want us to pray is, you know, I've said a number of things about trying to characterize what disruption is, but there is a toga or a robe that the Lord's disruptive army must have. I want us to look at Joel 2. It describes, it's the picture I have of the right kind of army that captures all I've said. Joel 2, I'm going to read 7 to 8 and then 10 to 11. And this is speaking of the army that the Lord will bring from the north. Verse 7 says, they run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. Unity. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. The stand says the earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? I want us to pray that, Lord, put upon me the mantle of your disruptive army. Yeah. As this army in Joel were people who would walk, walk in formation, not breaking ranks. If you've ever watched a film like Troy, the mm. Greek army or the Roman army, there are some of the armies I love watching. When you watch them in, in rank, in the Roman army in particular, with those that tall shields, when they make a formation, or you watch Troy, you see how the, 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 the army would come together with their shields. They form a barricade, and they can advance with that, and they take out every opposition. They were, they were feared by every enemy. That is the army that God wants to release at this time. Not a large army, but a very efficient and an and impactful army. Each one, you know, the pattern for me is David's mighty men. When you understand the antecedents, when they came to David at the cave of Abdullah, they were all people who were in debt, in distress, the end, at the end of their road, every one of them broken. But when you read about the genealogy, those mighty men, when they describe their act, one will kill 800 people, one will stand in a beans field and kill 300 people. His sword was cleaving to his hand. Another one killed lion men. You know, the acts of those guys was amazing. But they didn't start like that. They were built. God is calling the dimension of mighty men, the army of mighty men who are equipped in all manner. They are ambidextrous. They are left, right. They can do everything. They can work with spear. They can work with um, um, sword. They can, they, have, they can work with the shield and the sword at the same time, both as weapons and defenses. That is the kind of army that God is calling in this time. And I want us to pray that, Lord, lay upon me the mantle of the disruptive army. Amen. That in this season, I will not be one found wanting. Everything that needs to be fitted in place, every aspect of the armor, I will be able to put on and stand mm -hmm. a befitting soldier in your hands. Let us just begin to pray and ask God to bring upon us that toga. Karadishka potamiyahata, lende korabadaila hasoto briandoska bande alabahata. 
Reke, you can unmute your mouth and pray. Masuta galabahate, shite la branda sunda kaliyabakata, rabadoska bande alabahate, intos kotomia jinta galega bragadoska banda galia, inda kata la branda skabota, shite le broto kusa banda kaliyabahata, adoska bota bija banda galia kata la kanta galia, le broto kubande la maduska bata mia, mandegelebo. La broca suta le capanda scubanda e alabahate, il zonte le bragadusca banda e alabahate, il tosca banda galia, il legge sotto bocriandosca banda galia, la tosca banda e calabraga de capanda lia, il lacatale capanda e alabahate, il più sotto l'ordine del grace, with the ability and name of God, di capo saha, calcula capanda banda e alabahate. Ya, 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 ya,
I want us to pray about integrity. Oh, that we God, God. integrity. And, I, and I want to emphasize this because it is, it is fast becoming or it has become something that is not known with Christians, which is very disheartening. Um, if you say you are a pastor, people say, ah, you know, pastors that are doing this, that, 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 all over the place. Nigerian pastors are all over the world have done all kinds of crazy things that just give us a bad name. That's, I'm talking, even normal people, it's, it's very difficult to find people who have integrity. And that is the hallmark of the things God, God will entrust you only if you have integrity. Two characters I want to pull out. One is Daniel. Integrity. Brings power. It might not seem possible, but it is real. Daniel, it was Daniel who, when um, Belshazzar was drinking from, with the cups from the temple and um, there was a handwriting on the wall that he couldn't interpret it, his mother, who did not like Daniel, said, There's one person who can interpret this. There's only one person I know who can. And they brought Daniel. Even your enemies, you know, it's one of my, the scriptures that I've been trying to live by for the last few years, the one that says that if your ways are pleasing to God, he will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. Mm. I discovered that instead of fighting your enemies, make sure your ways please God. And God is duty bound to constrain them. He says he will cause them to live. That means he will make them, force them to be at peace with you. They will have to recognize you. Haman, Mordecai. Haman was the one that had to announce Mordecai, even though he had just planned to kill him. Integrity, that's what God does for people who have integrity. He upholds you. He searches you out and makes your name known all over. I want us to pray for God's grace to stand in a place of integrity. Many of us need to make amends and redress our ways. Let's pray for grace because there's an unleashing that God has done in terms of resources, in terms of influence, that if you do not have integrity, you will fall flat on your face. We have too, for too long, we have seen it happen to Christians in politics, in everywhere, in governance. We need the people who will be like Daniel. And when they stand and decree a thing, Daniel was not a prophet but he's listed as one of the major prophets. One of the things that blows my mind is the angel will come and say, I was sent. The minute you start praying, I was sent to bring understanding. Because of Daniel's prayer, to give him understanding, the angel was withstood for 21 days. This is from the first day you prayed, the answer was given, but I was withstood. And God sent his best to take out the opposition to ensure that Daniel, that says a lot. It says you are beloved of God. That's my prayer, Lord. May I be beloved of you. Yeah. But it's only people who have integrity that God will stand for like that. He shuts the mouth of a lion. He does so many things that that one might stand. Let us pray and ask God, Lord, 
I lay my heart before you today. I ask that you release grace to stand in a place of integrity. Psalm 15 says that he who swears to his own hurt in verse 4 and does not change, even when he's moving against you, you will stand your ground. You will make a promise and you will keep it no matter the cost. We've lost that. So Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask for grace to stand in a place of integrity. We ask for your help, oh God, to redirect our ways, to make amends, to make adjustments, to turn back to the place where we will be firmly rooted in you, oh God. That no matter the situations and the circumstances, we will be able to stand and acquit ourselves worthy of you, oh God that your power and your glory shall be manifest in the earth. But in every sphere we find ourselves, may we stand right, may we stand firm, that your glory might be shown forth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Amen. Amen. Be steadfast. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Nigel. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor.